Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. So my next guest this evening is Marcia Walker, MBE, and recently appointed Vice Lord Lieutenant of Northamptonshire. She's a highly active community leader in Northampton and is a huge supporter of education and training, and I'm delighted to welcome her to the show. Good evening, Marcia, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining Good me evening. this evening. Thank you. To celebrate International Women's Day 2022. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I'm Marcia Walker, of an age that I don't mind, you know, being of, uh, a mother, a wife, um, a, a grandmother, and I'd like to think that I I have a relationship with the community of Northamptonshire, maybe emphasising that I am of Caribbean heritage. I was born on the beautiful island country of Jamaica and came to England when I was a little girl of nine. In all the prejudices and racism that existed at that time. But when you're nine, you just override it. You know, you, you, you make friends, you, you go to school. Um, the only thing that, that I, I sort of thought was sad was that when I left Jamaica, I was told um, I was just coming to visit my father in England. Um, and so I didn't say proper goodbyes to people, which, which is sad. But uh, nevertheless, I did um, enjoy that childhood time. And, and my parents were people of the community. They were both educated and were the people you could go to when you wanted forms filling in or um, our house was always busy with somebody wanting passport paper done or some reference for um, jobs or anything like that. So I think in time, I, I grew up in that. The other issue was, of course, that in my coming to this country, age nine, I left behind two sisters and a brother. So in a way, I was growing up almost as an only child in, in that environment. But on top of that, leaving behind two sisters and a brother, I left behind my grandparents, of which I felt I had a really good relationship with my grandmother, who used to have me grater in coconut to make coconut oil. All these memories come flooding back and they're all, I think they all just sort of make me, you know, they, they were there. My grandmother could not read music, but she could play the piano, for example. And at church, she would 
ask people to start singing and then she would start playing the piano to join in so wow. yes <laughs> that sounds amazing so <laughs> so so Morcia that's that's quite an interesting you know start to your journey coming from Jamaica age nine leaving behind relatives and obviously mm. your journey has progressed throughout the years and and you know you and I have only recently met but could you give us some highlights of your journey and your career and life to date? Well, it, it, as you say, it's an interesting journey because when you leave relatives behind, there, there's a sort of colouring of your life, yes? Yeah. Um, because for me, uh, my two sisters and brother, I left my, my sister was, one sister was seven, the other one was five, and my brother was only two. So whereas um, the, the, the journey it made a different journey and obviously it made a hugely different journey for my parents yeah. who had to, certainly for my mother, who my father had already been here two years, who left behind a, a two-year-old son, a five-year-old and seven-year-old daughter. And I can't quite imagine what it would have been like for her. Um, but struggling with with not having all her family and trying to save up to get that that home that could house all the family took the best part of eight years wow. eight and a half years so I was growing up as this child on her own um, realizing that I had two sisters that eventually passed what was their 11 plus, and they went to what was an English kind of school, grammar school in Jamaica, doing very well, to the point at which the school I was attending, a teacher who'd come on supply uh, to cover Mrs. Mackenzie, the maths teacher, <laughs> um, he, when he left, he went to Jamaica and actually taught my sisters, wow. which was quite <laughs> odd. <laughs> Gosh, what an amazing so coincidence. It was so odd. And, and then my, when my sisters came, so by the time they came, Jasmine was about to take her GCs the summer. They came with the Christmas, the summer. And of course, Paulette was sort of two years, you know, she, she had more time. Yeah. So Jasmine did do her O-levels and passed them, of course, because... She was going through an English system yeah. in, in, in the Caribbean. So she came and conquered and, 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 and did her, her GCE. Um, and, and then I, 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 of course, by then had taken my O-levels, did my A-levels. And at that time, the interesting thing was the places that I saw black women uh, was the hospital in the health service yes yes that's where they could be found yeah and dressmaking they were dressmakers and hairdressers so that was my image so when it came to what job did I want to do it was to do nursing which actually was not a sensible choice because the sight of needles mortified me <laughs> but it was the job that I saw black women in yeah 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 that 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 was my visible job um my head teacher at the time uh miss sparrow decided that at 
16. I had all the exams, but I couldn't go to do my nursing training. So she decided I was going to be a teacher. Honestly, I had no choice in it. Wow. She told my parents that. They had no argument with her. Yes. Yeah. And she had taught in Africa for a time. And she just decided that she, there were no black teachers as far as she was concerned in England. And um, I was going to be one of them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, So that was interesting. Other things that impacted on my life, we were Church of England members. We attended Church of England church in Jamaica. So when um, we came here, we went, we were living in Hammersmith. We went to Church of England church, one of the churches there, but were not accepted. And my mother being strong, just made the decision that we would go to a small church that had um, girls brigade as one of their uniformed organizations. So um, we sort of gave up on the Church of England, but I did have time to come back to it. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was a small church. And that gave me all sorts of things. Um, I became temperance queen oh, nice. for the Hammersmith area. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Um, and yeah, and uh, scouts, um, uh, guide, guider. Yeah. Um, there were some interesting things like um our church belonged to the Shaftesbury Society so right. on one of these dates you would go to Westminster Hall to present money mm. to some member of the royal family and I was one of the people chosen to do that and um I was pictured in my magazine in, in a magazine presenting uh, the Duchess of Gloucester with uh, like a bag of money yes oh, yeah that our church church it, it, it didn't have all the money our church had collected but it was a symbolism of of that yeah and the girl girls brigade celebrated a really big event like 50 years I can't remember mm. um what it was but second time round, the Duchess of Gloucester again took the salute Ah. And I met her for a second time. All these coincidences in life, yes? Yes, exactly. Um, And that was great. And then um, the decision, I became head girl of my school. I did very well at my primary school, graduated past my 11 plus, you know. Yeah. Uh, I suppose having an education in Jamaica where I had to learn, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high (laughs) or Balan hills, you know. I did not know daffodils because Jamaica is a hot country. I was going to say, daffodils. <laughs> no daffodils yes. there. It was, no, but we, we, we did have that education system and we, we, we flourished in it. You ah. know, we, we used it to our, to our benefit. So, um, and I also had to know age nine. By the time I was nine, I knew all the books of the Bible wow. in order. Old and New Testament. Yes. But when you consider missionaries had in the past, you know, in Victorian times, it was the missionaries that were opening schools. So that would be the sort of thing that they would use to engage if you didn't have books and couldn't write. 
people learned the, the, the books of the of the Bible. Yeah, wow. because that's that's how it was. Wow. And um, yeah, and eventually I I ended up doing my teacher training. Having had my head teacher, I applied. So my sisters have just come over and yeah. brother. I'm going to be going away the following year, September. So they arrived Christmas in September was when I would be going away to teach a training college. And, um, you know, you want to be around them, don't you? Yes. So I choose a teacher training college in London where I was wow. living. Yeah. And I got accepted, but um, there was round two and um, there was a call up that I to be called back for an interview and my head teacher again very nice she was a lovely lady actually said you need to give your parents a chance to get used to your brother and sisters you have chosen a local place which means you're going to be living at home you know they need that learning I think it will be better for you to go to uh, an A college, there were five of them in the country that did a whole term teaching practice. There yeah. were only five. And one of them was my second choice, which I didn't know why I chose them second choice. And she had in the meantime arranged for me to have an interview at this college. And she actually, I remember her saying, as a child of color, you're going to have, you're going to need as many chances as possible. Wow. So she said, go for something that's a bit harder and you'll get through it. And so said, so done. I got into a college, um, which is now closed, unfortunately, in Nottinghamshire, 150 miles from home. Wow. Only coming home for those holidays, but having worked there, sort of, you know, um, spending time away. But it was Nottinghamshire, got to know another part of the country goose fair and all sorts of things that happened in Nottingham, um, affiliated to Leicester University for our teacher certificate. And, uh, and But us girls from the college used to go down to Loughborough University where there were more young men. <laughs> so, <laughs> a really lovely time. I, I just enjoyed all of that. In oh. between all of this in my life, there was the racism but my father used instilled in me, whenever you come up against racism, you have to say to that person or group, I'm really sorry, it's your problem, it's not mine, you know? Yeah. And let yeah. them deal with it. Wow. And that made me so strong. Yes. And yes. there have been times when I've said it, and you can see on people's faces, well, what do I say now? You know, yeah. because it is somebody else's problem. And in some instances, it has benefited me so much and the individual that might feel um, that way. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, other times I've added to it, you know, like, you know, I am who I am and I'm grateful for it. And you should be glad that you are who you are and you were created a nice person. So live with that. You know, sometimes I just take it a step further. Yeah. But I have found that it really is your problem. It really is not my problem. I cannot make it my problem. Um, and that's a good that's a good um, sort of theme to our, you know, break the 
Break the Bias and International mm. Women's Day. And I'm interested in, in what you said about some of the really strong women in your life, because obviously your grandmother was a was a big oh, influence. Yes. But your mother sounds like an incredibly strong woman. My mother, we as children, salute both our parents, but we salute our mother. This is a woman who, um, my father had a really good job in the Caribbean and she used to take in ironing. She loved ironing. Yes. So she would do other people's ironing. The other lovely thing, which I've lost touch with this person was um, somebody who was born the same time as me, uh, one of the sugar plantation owners um, son and his wife could not produce milk and my mm. mother had a preponderance of milk. And so she always used to say, I wish I had a camera like nowadays, you know, when she would have me on one breast and this <laughs> young man on the other, you know, <laughs> because she had, she had so much milk. But this was a woman who cherished her community as my father did as well but who had the strength of character to work so hard. She came to this country and ended up working from nine o'clock in the morning through to getting home at nine at night. And um, she was a cleaner in a a very rich old people's home, but then graduated to be working in the kitchen. And she was always kind and always generous and always a good listener. She was very faith conscious. Yes, she she was what I would call a true Christian woman who used her faith to overcome the obstacles. The woman who when we lived in London and there was was smog, would walk four or five miles to get home or four or five miles to get to work because the buses weren't running, yeah? Yeah. We never had a car as a family. She was never disappointed in that fact, yeah? Yeah. We always had a nice home, but a modest home. She always wanted her children to look and appear nice. She cherished her own family. Yes, she brought up one of her sisters. Um, And our house was always a home of happiness where we had food. We may not have had all the luxuries. We had the usual radiogram that my father used to have. We had, that was an expensive thing and a television. So we were Mm. blessed with that. But her thing with her children was always do your best. Yeah. 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 And she would often take the sides of the teachers. I don't. Well, she never really had many complaints about us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine but she would, would say Marcia. no, no. She would say if a teacher comes and complain about you, there'd be a good reason to do it. <laughs> so don't let it happen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so we sort of grew up. I grew up in that home where. She was saving mainly her with my dad to get a home, but also knowing that she was saving to send money over to the Caribbean for books and uniform. Yes. Yeah. Helping her mother look after the children. 
So she was an amazing role model for me, an amazing role model. And, but she had such wonderful relationships. When I, as a child, would go to that home, there was a lady called Mrs. Pernox Gore, really wealthy lady who would sing lyrical of my mom and, uh, uh, you know, she, she was a lady of position. Yeah. And she would have me come and sit with her. There was another lady who was of French um, royalty before the family disappeared. And I learned my French with her. Because wow. sometimes I would go and, you know, holiday time when we couldn't afford a holiday. Yeah. I would go and meet my mother and um, I'd be sitting there and these ladies would, you know, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the French lady, wonderful lady. I've got a handkerchief with this lovely embroidery with her motif on and you know and they but they loved my mother and there was this other gentleman Mr Seeley absolute wealth personified and he had um, a, a marriage that broke up but when he, he married his first wife Leone my mom was invited to this state of the art wedding Yes, uh-huh. and um, he got to really love her because she was his silent listener and so on. And I, I can remember when Charles, his first son was born and my mother bought this quilt from Shepherd's Bush Market and Charles probably still has that quilt till now, you know, yeah, because he just loved it. Um, so she was a, a woman of women. Uh, I, 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 my heart um, is sad, but so happy that that all of us had that relationship with her. Yeah. And when my mother passed away, so um, she passed away so peacefully because one of her aims was, I, if I became a vegetable, I don't want to become a vegetable. I don't want my grandchildren to see me as a vegetable. Whatever machine I'm on, she made us promise we'd we'd switch it off. You know, that was not to happen. Yeah. And on the day she passed away, um, I'd seen her on the Saturday, my brother and I, and we, we just reminisced and, and, and talked over things. But she just said, I'm ready for the Lord, age 95. I'm ready for the Lord. And uh, she had breakfast that morning and passed away peacefully by lunchtime. Oh. And, but do you know what's wonderful about her as a mom, as a woman? She had created an account. My sister and I were executors of her will. And when we had this will, there was an account left behind for her four children to meet up as near to the anniversary of her death as we possibly can each year until the money ran out um, to just celebrate each other. (laughs) Celebrate each other. Because Karen... One of the things I didn't say was the shock of suddenly I was on my own, but then I wasn't. Yes. Yes. And as much as I went away, I think your the, the listeners to this will understand when I say it was a shock because suddenly I've got other people that are taking up that space that I'd had for a long time. Yeah. And it was quite funny that it would have been probably three or four years after my mother had died, we were having a meal in Northampton, you know, this gathering. And something came up 
and my sister, my sister after me said, but you had it all. You had it all. She said, you had it all because you had mom and dad and you had it all. And I had to explain to her that no, I didn't have it all because they were the ones with the Clark shoes because that's what they needed for their school. And I didn't have it all. And we just cried with each other because each of us, because I'd wanted to be with my grandmother. Yes. Yes. And they didn't quite get on with her in the same way. Yeah. And that idea that I had sole ownership of, of my parents was not true. Yes. It's it's odd, isn't it? And you obviously, you know, the, the, your your childhood and your upbringing and your relationship with your parents and your siblings Mm. has obviously created that passion in you around community family and community so that that is is that where your leadership of you know community comes from Morsia? Absolutely as I said at the beginning both my parents were part of the community yes yes educated especially dad you know he he was there in, Mm. in the world filling in forms for people you can imagine when Jamaica went independent people had to get passports and all the rest of it yes yeah exactly um uh, he 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 didn't end up uh, being a carpenter but he had the trade from home and a lot of people came the same time as him I was bridesmaid about six times you know it was the place <laughs> to be seen my dad was an orator he was so that's his gift to all of us as children <laughs> he could speak so wedding at weddings he was always masters of ceremony always a master of ceremony so people inevitably I became bridesmaid you know, <laughs> um, for that wedding you know whether it be a relative or a friend loads of them so so we got that feeling from the community for the community yes. through that yeah, and that's inspired you. And so, because of mother's way of caring for people and having that passion, yeah. Sorry. No, no, go on. You carry on. Nobody wants to listen to me. Yeah. We'll see. Your so, story's so far the, more the, interesting. Yeah, the, 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 the passion of, of the parents. And actually, that's the one thing all four of us of children, you know, although I had longer with my parents, their heritage, yes, Yes, that they that, that that they had that they handed down. You know, a, a brother who joined the police, a sister who joined nursing, another sister who became um, a medical administrator. Two sisters that are very highly involved. My 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 sisters, although she still works, is in the priesthood, the Church of England. You know, a brother who's done a lot of community stuff. Another sister is a governor. You know, Church of England school and doing things with their church and with the community, all of them. So it's like we inherited, we, we say to each other, we inherited that that gift, yeah. that gift. Yeah, but not only have you inherited it, Monsieur, you're carrying it on, aren't you? And giving it back to your community, which yeah. is which Hopefully. is enormous. Yeah, no, most definitely. I'm conscious of, of of your time, but also that I could talk to you all evening. And <laughs> what I what I've got one sort of final question for you, really, and, and that is what would be your hopes for the next generation of of women in the workplace and beyond? So, you know, you've got children but your granddaughters for example what would be your hopes for them well my hope is that 
you will, they will never see anything as being impossible, yeah? That, that is a hope. Um, I mean, one of the joys is that I, I obtained an MBE, yeah? And that yeah. was through the community. I, I became a, a deputy lieutenant. I, I wasn't even sure at times what, what that entailed, yes? Yeah. Um, but I became a deputy uh, lieutenant. And now I'm proud to say I'm happy. Uh, don't quite know how. But I'm now the Vice Lord Lieutenant of Northamptonshire, and that's quite an achievement. It's oh, a humble child from rural Jamaica, yes? Yeah. Who, who came here age nine, has taken advantage. I want young, I, I want women, women to take advantage and, and not feel that nothing is, I don't know how to put it. Everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. If you can see it, you can be it, I want women <laughs> to say. I love that. Can... Yeah, that's yeah. fabulous. That's amazing. Oh, well. And that, and that is a quote from somebody at your at Gem Awards. It was somebody said that at the Gem Awards, and I've forgotten who it is. But her quote, and I'm taking it. I told her I was going to take it. If you can see it, you can be it. Um... And that... And and that's what I want people to take hold of. It's not all about what the stereotypes and all of that. If I was to have lived a stereotype, I would never become what I am. I know I can, as this woman walk into, and a black woman at that, walk into the, the Polish church. I don't understand a word, a word of Polish, although my daughter does speak it, but because I'm a woman of faith and have that passion to be among people who are worshipping, yes? Yeah, yeah. I see I can do it. And, and I think for women, it's, it's avoiding all the stereotypes. Um, it's avoiding all those things that, that says, I need to do this. I need to fit into this box. Because if that was my life, I'm absolutely in the wrong box. <laughs> That's because absolutely I'm amazing advice. I, 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 yeah. Being be in the box that you choose and choose well because you can you can be. Fabulous. Sometimes it takes a long time, but what time? What is time? Time is somebody is something something created by human beings. Never too late. That's lovely. Thank you, Marcia. It's been absolutely fabulous to listen to you this evening. And I feel personally very privileged to have had you on the show for International Women's Day. But before I go and I let you go, do you have a, a favourite female artist and song that inspires you that we can play this evening? I Oh, there are lots of women you know of all genre and all races that I love but Nina Simone was one of those people that as I was growing up you know she was there and um, she did this song ain't got no I got life 
And, and it's all, at the end of it, she's saying, I've got my freedom, you know, I've got life. And it's all the things that I think people expect women to be, you know, the wife, the mother bearer, the everything that got. But at the end of it, you have a life. And, and, and that is in my song, Ain't Got No, I Got Life. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Marcia Walker. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh... Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.